My darling girl, when are you going to understand that being normal is not necessarily a virtue? I'd rather denote a lack of courage. You've just entered the cool friend hour. Hey everybody! Do you like midnight margaritas and getting caught in the rain? Do you throw spilled salt over your shoulder and plant rosemary by your garden gate? Well then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Ghoul Friend Hour. I'm your host Morgan Feza. Let's get weird. Hey everybody, it's Morgan Feza with the Ghoul Friend Hour. Today I have my special guest and my best friend, Kim, here. Um, We're going to kind of talk about really anything and everything. Um, get to know you guys, Get let you guys get to know us. Um, maybe give you a little insight to how long we've been friends and why we're such a good friends. <laughs> <laughs> um and it's definitely nothing short of paranormal oh see I knew something was gonna happen (laughs) um but yeah so Kim why don't you tell me you know or tell them per se because I already know these things tell everybody you know a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself to everybody all right hi everybody my name's Kim I've known Morgan for how many years now at least 10 right 2014 right yeah yeah we worked together and we kept in touch no matter where she was and I've been in Jersey and we've actually gotten closer I think you know in more recent distance yeah yeah (laughs) with distance but we really have a lot in common and share a lot of similar interests and we've experienced a lot of the same things in life so it's rare to share unfortunate circumstances sometimes but it really bonds you with people in a way that I guess no one else can truly understand so we really um we really are like sisters she's like the little sister I never had and uh we've gone through a lot we've really found uh a lot of I think um a lot of comfort in having someone that you can really talk to about the things that you can't really talk to a lot of people about and I feel like that's a big big part of um you know having someone that you wish had been bloodline sister but you're a sister (laughs) in a different way and in a lot of different ways so we uh we've come a long way but it's nice to be here now and be able to reflect on these experiences that we've had and see how far we've come and hopefully people are interested in the things that we've experienced and our thoughts on something. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I just knew like for my first, I guess I keep calling it like my pilot episode. Um, Just like excited. I was like, I know that this has to start with Kim. Cause like, I just feel like the dynamic between us and like the conversations that we have when we're together um, always like always without fail leads us down like that spiritual like we're always talking about like oh this happened to me and oh this happened to me this week and so I feel like meeting somebody else who is literally like your mirror and you're like okay like there's no judgment here you know, we can talk about this freely. I think you're probably, besides my husband, you're probably one of the only people that like I openly talk to about like spiritual stuff because like you have always been like a judge-free zone, which is not, it's just not something that you find in people often. Um, So it's been kind of neat that we've been friends since about 2014, I think. And from there, it just is kind of, evolved over you know extra cheesy domino's pizza and (laughs) (laughs) lunar fairs and you know everything in between so I think it's pretty neat to to start my my first podcast with somebody that it just really fills my cup up and I think that you know 
part of the ghoul friend hour, one of the biggest things about this podcast is it's, you know, I wanted to create like a safe space for people to also talk about like their spiritual experiences, writing cool stories. But the reason the ghoul friend hour is so neat is because I also want it to be a space where we talk about things like friendship and relationships and marriage and kids and, you know, all of that stuff and how that kind of ties in the spirituality and, you know, those things in life, like everything is energy. Everything is somehow connected, interconnected. So like I wanted, you know, trying to come up with a name for this podcast was kind of hard because I was like sitting there and I'm like, how do I find something that can be like, transitional amongst like so many different topics that I want to cover and I was like watching Firefly Lane which like a lot of people if you haven't seen it they maybe wouldn't get the reference um but I fell in love with how their dynamic and everything that the show kind of covered it really covered like what life is about and I was like what about the ghoul friend hour like I'm like that's a cute spin Mm -hmm. on like kind of how I want this to be so that's that's essentially how the ghoul friend hour came to be and so like I said I decided I was like I have to start this obviously with my best friend and like we have to just deep dive into I mean really whatever the hell we want to on the podcast so um and for everybody watching listening this is not going to be the first or the last time that you I mean the first time maybe but not the last time you see Kim um So it's going to be, it's going to be a good time. Um, But one of the things that we definitely wanted to kind of cover today um, was I guess we'll kind of kick this off with a show that Kim had kind of brought to my attention called We Bought a Funeral Home. Um, So funny enough, like, you know, she mentioned this to me before we started uh, filming tonight. And so um, we got on a little bit later than usual because I was tweezing my eyebrows. She was having a snack. Like we were, we were trying to just get a handle on our lives. And I was like, you know what? While I'm doing this, I'm going to catch up on like a couple episodes of this to really see what this is about. And I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm like, I don't, I feel like it's really cool, but I'm going to let you kind of like delve into it a little deeper and kind of explain to people what it's about. So I, I should have pulled it up, but uh, this family ends up buying what was a funeral home for over a hundred years in this small little town. And they're, 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 they're characters and they are very much into, you know, the Halloween-esque and that kind of goth I guess you know they're always in black and have some kind of you know you know get up up and uh very interesting sense of humor I would say and interest in 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 things and there had been people that lived in this house prior but for five years no one had been in the house at all and it was like a funeral home still I mean they have the embalmment room they have all these different areas there have a elevator for the casket to take it from floor to floor. I mean, you think of the amount of, they even throw the stat up there. I think it was, I don't remember. I'd have to go back and watch that episode of the amount of funerals they would have per month. And you think about how many, you know, that would be on average per year and then over a hundred years. And all the energy that comes with not only the person who passed, but anyone in spirit that's there for that person, plus the energies of all these other people. So you think of the wood of that building and that it's multiple floors and just how many, how much energy is throughout that whole building over 12,000 square feet, I think she said, which that like rocked my world because I was like, when I saw the size of it. It's crazy. yeah. It's like your own floor to live in this house. Like what? And yeah. yeah. So basically, the show is about all of the renovations that they do and the artistic mindset behind each room needs to have its own theme, and it's very 
not norm at all I mean and (laughs) but what is what is normal right like I feel like Uh, everybody has their own norm (laughs) yeah but what I mean by normal is kind of like I don't know just not so visually overstimulating I guess I would say yeah like as I was watching it I was like but there's no escape every room is like to the nth degree you know yeah visually and like mentally that's too overstimulating I feel like for anybody I mean the one room was fantastic but there was like no end to it it was like the walls turned into the ceiling turned into and it was just yeah and I was like I literally look my friend (laughs) I'm having a panic attack watching this because like I don't, I would be too over, I wouldn't be able to sleep in a room like that. You wake up and this is all you see is like craziness and just like a never ending canvas. I feel like kind of weird. And there, it's like, you want to go to a place to relax and like, you know, mellow out and decompress. And I feel like in a room like that, how can you really do that? I mean, yeah, you're sleeping and your eyes are closed, but it's just like the second you open your eyes, it, there's no easing into it's, your day it's like a violent it's, <laughs> awakening that's how I would interpret it but listen the whole rest of the house is like stunning like I don't mean to take away from like anything because of this one room but I mean just the artistic mindset behind it and you know what they they basically I don't want to give anything away but I mean some of the requests that they had put in you know they interviewed different contractors and they made sure they found a contractor that was going to know and you know as you watch the show you see obviously you no matter what your stance on you know spirits and afterlife but you think of a building that's been there for that long with that purpose and what's gone through and people who lived in the house would come up to them and knock on the door and come in and I used to live here and tell stories and the one woman was like oh yeah, the stained glass window on the staircase, that's where the lady in blue always is. And they're all like, the one girl's like, I wanted to, there to be a ghost here and I'm glad that it's haunted. And like, what else <laughs> here? And I'm like, ah, be careful what you wish for, you know, <laughs> upon that and inviting so many, you know, you never know. And I mean, I don't know, but it's really interesting. I don't know if I can live in a space like that, you know? And yeah. I eaved out by so many things, you know, just thinking like, okay, they're serving food in what used to be this part of the funeral home. And like, it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely eccentric. Like, that's yeah. one of the things that like caught my attention when I was watching it is like, it's so crazy how many like degrees of normal there are for so many different people and it's like what is what's that saying it's like what's chaos for the fly is something for the mouse or some I don't know I don't I'm terrible with quotes and sayings but I know it's like for some people like for them that is their like calm environment and like they can live like that or like there's certain jobs for people like where you think about that you're like oh I can never do that for instance being like a mortician like for like me like going into a basement with a bunch of dead bodies even though you know that it's just pretty much a body laying there having the idea and the understanding of spiritual energy and that energy can't be destroyed only transferred so it's it's somewhere but it's a question of like not knowing where and now you're in this twelve thousand square foot home that has housed all these bodies and you're like well I don't know if your spirit's here I don't know if it's moved on and it's like morticians are just equipped like for them that's normal it's something that they enjoy and they can thrive in that and I feel like this family like has that similar personality has that similar like the son for instance like his bedroom's like in the basement right um, not like the basement basement, but I think one of the lower levels. Yeah. Like I remember him saying they were like talking about where they kept like the caskets and something like that. And I just remember being like, oh, this reminds me of like um I don't know if you've ever seen uh do you ever watch like a haunting? No. So like the show um 
I used to watch it when I was really young because that's just who I was as a child. Like I was not the kid playing with Polly Pockets and well, I liked Polly Pockets, but <laughs> I was playing with like Freddie and Jason and like my uncle would get like the action figures and my grandma's like, um, you know, don't you want to like play with Barbies or, and I'm like having a show down in the bathtub with like a, you know freddie jason and michael myers and i'm fighting with them and so like that's just who i was but there was a show on discovery called a haunting um and it's since gotten re- like much bigger and they've become like much shorter episodes but it started off um like when i was younger being like it was almost like an hour thing so it was like long episodes but they were like not like the episodes we know today and it's like hard to explain that but it was like one story and it was like made into like a big a bigger production so the first one was a haunting in connecticut and the family their son um you know i'm trying to remember the the details of it but the son had i think it was like leukemia he had some type of cancer they moved closer to be closer to like his hospital treatment or whatever and they had bought a house um that actually turned out to be an old funeral home <clears throat> and the son was um in the basement that's where his room was and he um started seeing apparitions he started his attitude started changing you know like the typical demonic presence and I mean it just it became one of the most famous cases um and a lot of people know about a haunting in Connecticut because it was such a big deal um so as I'm watching this we bought a funeral home in my head I'm like oh my gosh I just keep thinking back to that episode of a haunting and I'm like I could not sleep in the basement with like the embalming and the like just it's just a no thank you for me but for some people they're like no this is cool like I can buy a haunted house knowing it's haunted I can sleep in you know a graveyard like there's just some people that they just have like guts of steel and it's just yeah yeah I don't know how they do it I mean for me it would just be way too much but I guess yeah like you said some people you know, not even that it's normal but you know that they are you know that's their thing so I I approve of it you know like I have nothing against it it's just for me I would not want to be, <laughs> <wanna No>. be. <laughs> but to me artists you know from you know an appreciation for what they do to it I mean it was funny because what got us started watching it was we were watching platonic with Seth Rogen and <laughs> there a scene where they're about to buy it was like a it used to be an assisted living home and they had like the elevate not the elevator the chair that like slides up the stairs oh the chair lift and you know there's like you know they walk by a room and the cabinet flies open and they're like does that happen all the time they're like oh let's just walk over here so it was oh you know it was like similar but it wasn't you know a real place it was just you know a scene but you know you think about there are places that you know I'm sure they have to disclose if someone passed away or you know at some point in time you would you would know that if you lived in a place and something happened there but you know somewhere where you know that so many you know transition transitioning spirits I guess yeah you know, have, have passed through too you know you wonder you know how is as is that your kind of thing could that deter you from maybe buying your dream home if yeah you knew that, that was you know something that was going to come with the cost of living there I mean that's typically what what average story horror stories can come down to is oh we moved into this house and we thought everything was going to be fine (laughs) that's like the typical like opening scene to every horror story there ever is they're like we we bought our dream house and we invested every dollar in it and then there was a demon in the basement Mm -hmm. or hey we invested every dollar and it came with um some sort of portal to hell in the living room and it's like oh yeah no that's i'm i've got i'm glad that that's happening for you that's great (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, I mean, like, it's just crazy to me. Like, I have always loved like old Victorian houses. I've loved those big, I just feel like the character is just, you can't find that in a lot of like the newer houses today. Like the materials, oh boy. Um, the materials, the craftsmanship, like the homes are so beautiful, but it's like, you, like if you, like we were recently house hunting and, and looking at houses, um, you know, we went into a couple of older homes that I just thought looked really beautiful, you know, on Redfin or whatever we were looking at. And I was like, look at how much character it has. And it's like, you walk in and you're like, oh yeah, we're, we're not alone here. Like, it's not just me, my husband and the realtor. Like, there's a, there's a lot more to this story here. And I'm like, you know, but it's, I don't know. Like, I feel like if you can do it and you can fix up the house and make nice with whatever's floating around, then like more power to you. But I'm like, I'm losing hope on my, uh, my dream Victorian house here. Cause I'm like, I feel like it's going to come with some, with some bonus prizes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, but you know, you also wonder, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> if uh, you wonder if even if you knock down the house if that energy would reside in the land yeah I think it all can, can I think it all depends on like spiritual attachment yeah yeah like I've heard you know just from like experience too like spirits attach themselves to how do I word this? So like spirits will attach themselves to something that's meaningful to them. So, I mean, if they're attached to a house, I feel like maybe they'll stay with the house. And I feel like if it's a land thing, they'll typically stay with the land. But I have heard like different instances um, where they've knocked a house down and it just stays. Like, it's not even like a land attachment. It just is a it's just like a residual energy that just like lingers and I don't know like it's just I feel like it depends on circumstance and also like what you're dealing with Mm. so like you know it's so like I think that's the coolest thing about like supernatural and like the other side and things that we don't know about is that because we don't know about them and like we don't know you know truly what we're dealing with until we get there like there's so many unexplained phenomenons there's so many just unexplained experiences and things that happen and you're like I wish I could just be like a fly on the wall like just on the other side of the veil like I wish I could just see like what is actually happening like why are these spirits lingering where are they going what are they doing you know what I'm saying like I feel like the curiosity is like it it kills me sometimes because it's so there's so many like unanswered questions yeah I mean you have had so many experiences you know yourself and you know it's like they have a purpose and they know what that purpose is and they find someone that can relay a certain message and if you're open to it then they're gonna use you to you know relay hopefully a loving message which for me that's always what it has been always what it's been for other people and it comes with love and it's to help and to help heal and sometimes change trajectory for the better I mean that was a big big factor and you know some of the things that I went through was just getting that validation that you're right something is not something is very wrong here and if you don't do something about it it's on you and yeah you know to you know hear that from someone that you know would have been the only person to say that and the way that it comes through it's kind of no denying but regardless you know there's there's a lot of power that can come with it there's um so kind of what I want to ask you like there's 
a transitional question here, I guess we can call it. Um, you know, when I first met you 2014 ish, I want to say, cause I remember my grandmother died in 2015. Um, and you know, you were, pretty influential in like my grief period there and kind of helping me through that. Um, cause that was one of probably the first major losses that I had ever experienced in my life. Um, and really was the slingshot for me into looking into, um, you know, like life after death and really exploring my own sensitivities. Um, to spirits and to things that have happened to me since I was little. Um, and, you know, I remember you handed me um, this beautiful, like, blue stone, and instantly it was like I held it in my hand. It was just cool and it was calm. And it just, like, was like a, I don't even know how to, it was like, I felt like that scene from freaking The Water Boy. He's like, yeah, it's water from a glacier in Alaska. I'm like, I was holding it and I was like, wow, this is so calming. And then I remember like, I was never, I never really like looked into my spiritual gifts or anything that I had been dealing with because I kind of was like, oh, people are going to think I'm a fruitcake and I should just like keep that to myself. And then it was like, you handed me this crystal and I was like, damn, I'm like, what is this? And I'm like, why is this changing my life right now? Um, and I thought that was the coolest thing. And so like, what kind of, like, I know my grandma, I guess I could say was like the turning point for me. And it was like meeting you kind of at that same time that like slingshotted me into my spiritual journey and really kind of honing in on, I don't even know how to word that, like just what I had going on, I guess, and, and taking it from there and really becoming who I am today, you know, what was your trajectory moment? Like what kind of, you know, how did you get into crystals and Reiki and, you know, talking to, um, you know, your mentors and things like that? So for me, um, I mean, I guess it was just an accumulation of just so many things, but I think, you know, you get to a point in your life where there's so much going on and so many sudden changes and you're kind of left without a, a choice. Um, you know, do you want to continue where you're, you're miserable, you're not fulfilled, you're in pain, you're, you're wondering, you're questioning everything of what's the point if this is, you know, quality of life, there is no quality of life. And you get to a point where you, the only choice is to make a change and make all the changes. And I had gotten to a point where I was on disability and I was only getting worse and after three months, I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. And I had tried, you know, everything under the sun. And to a certain extent, you know, hadn't really felt that there had been any change, despite my best efforts. And I had gotten in touch with um, Dr. Perry Nicholson, who's business name or you can find him as stop chasing pain and through a friend of a friend I talked to him and I had been misdiagnosed with fibromyalgia and these doctors had had me on all these pills and you know he basically explained you know he would assess the body as a whole and he could help me and it was hard to explain over the phone but he would you know, see me in person and we could talk things through and what did I have to lose? You know, at that point I was, there was nowhere lower I could really go, you know, from where my quality of life was because there was none and whatever he was going to suggest. I mean, I had been told you need this, you need this, you need this. I had all these procedures and no answers. So I was willing to do, you know, whatever it was. And within minutes of seeing him, he was able to properly diagnose me 
And, you know, he told me all the things that needed to change and where I needed to start and coming off of all those medications I would have killed me if I kept taking them for another three months, you know, who knows, maybe not sooner. I mean, everything in my body was shutting down. And, you know, once you're told that you basically were, you were dying, like my, uh, my body was shutting down everything, my vital organs, my systems, your everything's connected. So once one thing starts going and you're halfway there, you know, there's, there's only so much you can do. So thank God. I remember that you can, I caught it, you know, and he was able to help when he did. And that, you know, after years of going through that, and then, you know, you have a totally new perspective, you know, well, I got a second chance, so to speak. So I'm going to do everything right. And I'm going to take care of myself and mentally and physically and emotionally and, you know, eat better and drink water and be active, which I already was, but you know, anxiety can be a huge thing too. Cause when you're in pain or you're going through something and you don't get the relief that you need, it's, it's going to keep fueling your nervous system. But once you start on that healing journey and you take it one step at a time and change one thing at a time, you know, you can be more open to spiritual things because you're not so hyper-focused on trying to fix all these other problems with yourself, your health, you know? And I think that that's a big part of it because, you know, the emotional um, side of things that comes with being an empathetic person and being a spiritual person is a lot. And if you're not in a good headspace, I feel like it's not always a not always not a good thing but it can be too overwhelming on top of whatever else you have going on or you might not be able to see certain things or be open to certain things because you have other things going on life happens I mean that's really what it comes down to if any of that really makes sense (laughs) no 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 I mean it makes total sense because I feel like you that was kind of the moment. Um, cause I remember when we were working together, I mean, you got really sick at one point and there was a period of time where like you weren't there and I was like, Oh my gosh, like, is she okay? You know? And I feel like you're right. Like when you're so hyper fixated on, you know, one thing and you're losing that quality of life, you can't be spiritually open to everything that is going on around you and being spiritually in tuned. Um, and especially being an empath and somebody who, you know, I always had, I, I know I've said this to you before, but one of the biggest things that I've ever been taught is to observe and don't absorb. But as an empath, I feel like I can speak for a lot of empaths and say, you know, as much as we try to follow that mantra, um, we do tend to absorb and it's, it's sometimes I don't even think that it's conscious. Like it's just, it's a very unconscious practice. And it's like, you know, that's, it carries a toll. It carries a toll. It's, it's a big weight. Um, I mean, just like stress, I mean, you figure you're dealing with your own emotions, you're dealing with your own ailments or, you know, whatever you're going through. And then on top of that, you're absorbing somebody else's, you know, energy and feeling their feels and feeling their physical, mental, emotional pain. And I mean, that's, you're doing double duty, you know, you're doing, you're doing double work and that's a lot on one person's body. I mean, just one person's stress alone is enough to send you into a stroke or, you know, cause heart disease. I mean, there's, there's tons of things that stress can cause and people don't realize like how, um, how serious stress really affects the body. Um, and so, yeah. So, I mean, like, that's amazing. Like to see the difference between then and like who you are now, you know, like, that's why I am a huge, 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 supporter of Dr. Perry. I think it's amazing the way that he turned your life around and I will forever be thankful to him for turning your life around because if he didn't, then I wouldn't have you here. So, you know, I think, I mean, it makes total sense. Oh yeah, no, I mean, I was lucky to find someone that was trying to get to the root of the problem and not just 
put a band-aid on it and you know you have to heal from the inside out and you know a lot of that gets neglected but it's it's really interesting to see you know you go through life happens and you know things change and you know sometimes it's those really bad times that really you know show us that's when you know anyone out there who knows we need them they show up you know and they're they're there and they'll they'll let you know that they're there and you know sometimes those dark moments are you know they they're a test but they you know you'll see who's really there for you both in the real world and spiritual world but you know it's nice to have a good outlook on life and to be here and you know to be getting to do this and you know we have uh we have a lot of stories and a lot of things that I feel like you know not a lot of people know or you know if people are interested in hearing it you know it's cool to be here and share that with them yeah yeah absolutely and so on that note I guess I'm going to kind of segue into our stories and kind of you know some of the things that we've experienced um I feel like this is kind of like my I don't give a shit like who's listening or like it's kind of like my liberation episode because I finally get to talk about my spirituality and like my experiences um you know, which is something that I've always been very shy about. I've always been very closeted about. And I'm like, you know, what, what better month than freaking June to to come out of like my spiritual closet and kind of be like, you know, I am very spiritually sensitive. I'm somebody that, you know, I've seen spirits. I've heard spirits. I've gotten messages like I came from a very, very intuitive maternal line. Um, you know, I a hundred percent believe that my grandmother was a generational, whether she was a psychic, a medium, an intuitive, a very, very strong empath. I mean, call it what you want it, but she was very spiritually inclined. And I know that that's passed down from generations and, you know, um, I've always, it's always been something that I was ashamed of or people never believed me about and never really like listened. And it's like, I'm at a point where I kind of just want to be like, fuck it. I don't care who knows. I don't care who believes me or who cares to listen because the people that have experienced stuff or have seen things or, you know, they're they get it they get it and so like that's kind of one of the biggest things with our friendship is you've experienced things I've experienced things we've always talked about those things um and I just think it's super neat that I'm finally getting to do a podcast where like we can talk about those things and be open and just say you know what like this is who I am take it or leave it but like I have to embrace it and like it's just part of me so it is what it is fuck it hashtag fuck it that's what I'm saying um and so on that note you know um I guess like I just want to like talk about some of our experiences so like kind of I guess getting into some of your experiences I know that we had some experiences with your I think it was your was it your grandmother? I remember when we were talking about the teal sweater, right? Um, there was, I'm pretty sure it was your grandma that kept coming through. With was it the, when I was up at the lake? Yes, the lake house. And I was like, it was either a blue or a teal sweater, but it kept popping up. And um, I remember like, something something had happened to you after we had kind of talked about that and I can't remember didn't something fall over on like the fireplace or like or there was like a mantle no you know what I think it was is I I was like showing you a like a a video of just like what I was looking at and there were pictures on the wall and I think I I had moved the camera over a picture and you were like wait go back and you were like the woman in the teal that's your grandma right and I said yeah and you were and then I think you had said 
I kept seeing this teal sweater, teal sweater, or hearing teal sweater teal and then that's right that i was had. like i remembered it was like a picture frame or it had something yeah. to do with a picture yeah. and i thought that was like the craziest thing like i was like because the way that she comes through so strong for you um it's just nuts like it's just nuts how spirits really make things um like how they make things known and the funny ways that like they communicate and like I know um I don't know if you want to touch upon Jill a little bit um yeah I was gonna say you know it's it's funny because whenever I've gone to see someone you know they always say there's a lot of um you know there's a lot of people here for you but uh one of the more recent times I went Maria and Jill popped her head out and she was talking on the phone and she had this confused look on her face. And then, you know, she, she gave me the like, I'll be back in one second. I'm like, okay. And, you know, she disappeared out of my sight. And then she came back and said, hello. We went and sat down and she had mentioned, she said, you know, it sounded like there were like 30 people outside there where you were. And it was just <laughs> you sitting in this chair. And I was like, kind of blown away. She was like, that's, you know, the amount of people that are here for you. But, you know, there's certain, you know, things, you know, smells and songs and the radio and lights and, you know, anything that they know is really going to catch your attention and you're going to know them is how things will happen and if you're open to it then you're more likely to see it and acknowledge it versus being closed off to it and you know not believing it or not really you know wanting to see it which is perfectly fine not everybody has to be open to it but they come through because they want to help and they want to heal and they want to comfort and I you know sometimes feel like why wouldn't you want that or want to be open to that if it's at all possible you know who knows it could be power of suggestion some things, you know, I'll get goosebumps from head to toe and I'll kind of uh, understand that that came out of not nowhere. But, uh, you know, there's certain things that I feel like when you experience them enough at certain times or correlated with certain things, then it's kind of like a, a reassurance of, you know, what you're doing or what you're doing is the right thing. And you can interpret it as you want. But I feel like how can it be bad to interpret it as a positive thing? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's like, I know me and you are notorious for angel numbers. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that is one thing that like, we're always connecting on is like constantly like, Oh, what does this angel number mean? Or like, Oh, I kept seeing this and have you been seeing this? And so like, I know like, my two like constant angel numbers is always three, three, three or four, four, four. And they're constantly like, it's all the time, whether it's my phone clock, whether, um, like the one day, um, what the heck? I feel like it was a receipt or something. And like, you know how, like sometimes like your order number, it's like three digits or something or like when you pull the tag at like a deli counter and like I got three 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 on one I got four 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 but the kicker was freaking Ulta like I had like my little points system and I looked went to check my points and it said my points were oh I'm telling you I can't stop yawning it's ridiculous um <laughs> So I went to look at my point system and it said 666. And I was like, oh, Lord, I was like, not today, Satan. Like we are, that is not the angel number we are looking for. I was like, we need to make a purchase in the name of the Lord. I'm like, we got to purchase something so we can knock this number off, off kilter here. Um, but that's something too, that I feel like is always spot on and like so relevant is that we're always finding like these angel numbers and I don't know really anybody else um I know a couple people but not really a ton that like follow angel numbers or like 
Well, I feel like a lot of people are kind of stuck on like 1111 and think that that's like the only one, which, you know, obviously is not the case. But I mean, even like when you did, was it when you did the reading for me in 53 or 35? And, you know, we figured out what yeah. that number was. And then, you know, a, even thinking to look for that was so spot on because you think to look for it you know if, if you can't figure out what what else it could mean and again comes back to being open and seeing it and paying attention and you know why do I keep seeing the same number over and over again because there must be some kind of message attached to it that you're meant to see or meant to look up on google you know what does this number mean or you know what does this crystal mean you know if you're drawn to it in a store and and things like that and you know just like we were saying about crystals I mean the energies that they hold you know each one has a different you know vibration and everything is energy and you know that different frequency that might be coming from that stone you know that that really can can help and even if it's a distraction you know just like people using them for meditation is just holding it and you know, just concentrating on, on something else and getting out of your head. And sometimes when you get out of your head, you know, you're allowing a space for, for more good, you know, and, and hopefully. <laughs> Fingers crossed, right? Yeah. Yeah. But so I guess like my other thing is like is your family like spiritual by any chance like are they um superstitious like I guess the reason I'm asking is because like I grew up in a household where my grandpa was not at all like he was like there's no such thing as ghosts like he just was probably the bravest person I've ever met like I if I had a bee in my room or if I thought there was a ghost in the hallway you know it was always like grandpa come save me because he he just honey badger didn't give a shit he like was not afraid of anything and then like then there was my grandma who was definitely gifted like without a doubt in my mind and it was like you're never allowed to bring a Ouija board into this house like literally the only time I've ever seen her get like dead scary serious and she was like you are not never like never to bring a Ouija board in this house and she would be the one that like at nighttime I would ask her to tell me like I know again just really weird child I was that person I would be like grandma tell me another story about a werewolf or tell me a story about you know a vampire and like I'd make her tell me like Halloween stories before bed and so she definitely was like the fuel behind a lot of my um I guess I could say my ghoulish traits um so, you know, I had like that mix of like grandpa was like, eh, no, there's no such thing as ghosts. And then my grandma, who was like super superstitious, spiritual, always had like, you know, lift your feet when you go over a railroad. And, you know, um, if you find a penny on the ground, you know, it's pennies from heaven. Or there was just always like, I feel like she looked at life through not rose colored glasses but like magical glasses like she I feel like everything that she touched she made it super magical and it was just that's how she saw things like it was just very much a like spiritual magical place and like that was like a space where I always felt accepted and like you know so it's it's interesting to kind of see the way that you grow up and how it's kind of I guess molded like your spiritual beliefs and things like that so like were your parents ever superstitious was one more than the other were they just not at all um well it's interesting because I feel like the only place it really came from was I guess my dad's mom my grandma and I mean she used to say to look out for the cardinals and she was a very big you know, she was big on angels. There were a lot of angels, you know, she was, um, you know, religious. She was the reason, you know, we would be going to church for the major holidays, you know, um, and I feel like not even just religion wise, but I feel like I never 
truly understood, you know, looking out for the cardinals or she loved hummingbirds, had a hummingbird feeder, you know, the simple things like that, that she found so much joy in because she saw it as, or knew, you know, well beyond, you know, it took me a long time to catch up to that. Um, but I feel like that kind of planted the seed. And it was interesting because when I first started going to any kind of um, medium or psychic or anything, um, she, I believe was the first person that came through. And I think she knew I needed to hear from her. And she's always, you know, let me know she's there. And uh, yeah, so I feel like it, it probably really came from her. And her passing was one of the harder ones for me. And I had lost both of my grandmothers within a very short period of time. Um, so that was hard in itself. But um, having those little memories of my grandmother telling us to look out for those were very comforting. And then there were, you know, other little things that came from it too that I just found a lot of comfort in. And I guess in my grief, Later on, it's interesting to be saying this out loud or realizing this right now, that kind of came full circle and certain things that I just kind of let stick because of the comfort that came through those grieving times that became a comfort, you know, on an almost regular basis. And I feel like it's important to have things like that. So you find the things that work and you uh, hold on to them. <laughs> yeah, sure yeah. You're, they're very prevalent in your life when you need them. And even when you don't, just as like a gentle a little reminder. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just think, I feel like it's so amazing because I do feel like no matter what you believe in, you know, like I am very much a Christian. So, you know, I have... And some may disagree with this, but I have, you know, kind of my own form of Christianity. You know, I wouldn't say that I'm completely by the book, but I believe in God. I believe, you know, that that is my my source of faith. You know, the person that I look to um, in happy times and times of turmoil, you know, that's something that I rely heavily on. But I love that there's so many different religions. There's so many different spiritual beliefs. There's so many different backgrounds. Um, and that everybody has some type of faith and some type of something to follow that teaches them something. And I feel like that type of spirituality, no matter what walk of life it's coming from, really has the power to help people grieve and help people, you know, walk through some of the tougher parts of life. Um, and I feel like universally, like, through any kind of religion really love is the language which I think is really neat because I feel like if we were to all embrace that more we'd probably have a much different society oh without a doubt yeah I mean and you hope that you know people are starting to see or starting to just want more from their lives and maybe this is an avenue for them to see that or in taking better care of themselves and healing, you know, the traumas that they've been through and things that they've been through and that grief that, you know, everything can kind of fall into place. And, you know, sometimes not everything all at once, you know, but you have to start somewhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. So do you have, um, before we, before we part ways, uh, for the night, do you have any, um, favorite ghost stories or anything spooky that's happened to you that you want to kind of leave off on? Um, anything that's happened to me? Um, I, I mean, I will say this, which was really interesting and I didn't know, and this didn't happen to me, but hearing firsthand stories. I was out in LA and was fortunate enough to get to go to Sound City Studios. And there were a lot of ghost stories from Sound City Studios and a lot of really crazy things that would happen there. And this one, you know, person in particular who used to be an owner who would be seen, I believe his name is Frank. Um, and just things that would happen in the studio they'd have you know everything set up on the board and then they'd 
come back in and everything would be all the way at the bottom of the board and no one else had been in there. They could be the only person that was there late at night or early in the morning and, you know, things with lights, shadows, you know, but, you know, you think again of a place with so much history and so much energy that's gone through it and you know some some of those energies like we were saying you know they pick a place that they love or they reside with and this guy sound city that was his baby and that was his spot so even in his afterlife he still is there and very much an energy and a part of you know that building and that atmosphere so I think it's pretty cool and you know kind of comes full circle back to where our conversation started earlier with you know energies and where they stay so you know I think that's pretty cool that you know he would he loved that place so much that he's still there and very much a part of that and the quirky things that might happen there yeah yeah absolutely now for all of the people listening Kim is a giant giant Foo Fighters fan she is also a giant Rangers fan but being a Devils fan, I will not talk about that. But the Foo Fighters are pretty cool. So I guess also kind of touching upon, um, you know, the Foo Fighters had a recent loss, um, which was absolutely devastating to them. Um, Taylor Hawkins, correct? I just want to make sure I'm getting names right. Um, you it's know, funny, I actually have a Taylor Hawkins shirt on. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, yeah. So like with Taylor's, you know, recent loss, um, you know, have you heard anything? I wasn't sure in like the Foo Fighters sphere, you know, if there had been any talk about any signs, like have, have Dave or any of them spoken about in any like articles or anything about maybe like signs or anything from Taylor? Had, did they mention anything on stage when you saw them? Um, so Dave is very private and especially with the grief of he also lost his mother. So their album, But Here We Are, is dedicated to Taylor and his mom, Virginia. And all the songs are are very cathartic for him. And the all the lyrics are in his handwriting. And um, he hasn't spoken about it. I mean, the only public messages that were put out there were on their Facebook page. Um, but he, you know, he said that he sang a song Taylor used to sing that Taylor wrote and they used to sing together and said he had never thought he would have to do that. And that the only way they got through this was together. And at Boston, uh, Taylor's son Shane was there and played drums with them. And, um, you know, it's, it's something you know he's gonna carry Taylor with him always and some of the songs on this album one of the songs is called Hearing Voices so I think anything he really had to say about Taylor to Taylor was really said on this album which I think is um, really interesting but at the tribute shows they had a giant hawk and you know a giant light um, and it was directly across from the stage. So I think that was a big thing for the band and everyone who was there to be able to look up and, you know, see Taylor, see his hawk up there, which was a, you know, a very nice tribute. And at these shows, everyone on whatever instrument they're on, it seems, you know, for the most part, have a little hawk for Taylor somewhere. Um, so yeah, you know, there's little nods to him here and there, but as far as signs, um, I don't know if we'll ever know. Um, you know, Dave's very private, but, you know, I, from the sound of the album, I'm sure there's, there's been some stuff going on, you know, how can there not be, you know, yeah. Taylor's, uh, I know he's, he's been there for the fans, you know, we've all felt his presence, you know, especially at that tribute show, um, you know, very intimate moments and, you know, again, a collective energy and music that was brought together to heal people. And it also brought forth a new generation of rock and roll with the uh, children of a lot of these musicians. So, um, and I feel like obviously that's something Taylor would have loved to see and did love to see. So it's, it's you know, tragedy, 
but there's a lighter side to it and a bright side that's coming out of it. So um, I think that's pretty powerful stuff. And it's an album also that anyone who's experienced grief, anyone who's experienced loss can relate to. And to have an entire album, you know, not just one song, I feel like that in itself, you know, there's songs that the ebbs and flows kind of take you through the ebbs and flows of grief. You know, there's the highs, there's lows, there's really, really lows and there's static. I like that. I like that. And that's kind of, you know, I figured we'd touch upon your big fanship with Foo Fighters. Um, And especially because they had just lost Taylor, you know, I wasn't sure if there's anything in the Twitter sphere or Facebook or, you know, if they had ever mentioned any of the shows that they had had any signs or, you know, because I feel like any time that you have, um, I feel like a lot of the celebrity deaths are kind of, I feel like they're almost always tragic. I mean, death is not it's not like this happy thing, but I feel like, you know, as a former hospice worker, like you see death and a lot of the times it's quiet and beautiful and it's fleeting and just very, it's just passing. Like, it's just a very transitional thing. But I feel like when a lot of these celebrities die, it's very much like an unfinished business. It's a very much tumultuous event and it's very like tragic like I feel like Taylor um you know was just from what I had seen like I said I'm not a Foo Fighter fan but um he was at the height of his career and you know Foo Fighters were kind of picking things back up and it was like you know these things always seem to happen it's like so you can't help but wonder you know is he still kind of hanging around to watch the, you know, watch the Foo Fighters release this new album and kind of put a little bit of closure and, you know, is that his unfinished business? And will he, you know, after all is said and done and the tour and hiring a new drummer, you know, has he been watching over to guide everything into place? And, you know, you just have these thoughts and it's like, you know, even things like with Aaron Carter and Brittany Murphy, you can't help but think, you know, did they ever get to finish their business? Is there anything like, what is it like on the other side? And has there been any signs, you know? So I just figured I'd ask. Yeah. I mean, Dave, like I said, Dave's just so private. I don't think he'd ever divulge anything like that. He's, they're a band that's very quiet in the, that regard. Um, which but is I good. <laughs> fan wise, you know, any the hawk, you know, we anytime you see a hawk, typically, you know, if there's something like I know at the LA show, there had been a hawk flying over the forum that day. And I think it was consequence or someone had posted it. And on the inside of I guess like what covers the walkway outside, they had in lights, it was like the hawk outline of Taylor's hawk. So when you did look up you know, you could see the hawks above you, which I thought was really cool. So a hawk, you know, is a big thing. Um, But other than that, um, I mean, without a doubt, he's been there, you know, especially to watch Shane on the drums. I mean, what more could could you want than to see your son play with your band, you know, in any capacity? So that's a nod to him too, of course. And Shane's incredible and plays just like Taylor. And, you know, it's it's great to see someone like Josh be on the drums now because he played at the tribute shows and everyone I was blown away by him at the tribute shows and you know you kind of wonder if conversations were had at some point in time like if something happens to one of us do we keep the band going I mean this is Dave's band at the end of the day he started this band it's him it's him writing you know the songs the guys have been put to but it's Dave's band and he had said if it wasn't for Josh, none of this would be happening because who was going to play drums, who could fit in with them and clear a schedule for them. And, you know, so we thought we'd never see them. Not that we thought we'd never see them again, but we didn't know there was a lot of uncertainty there. So to be able to have these shows um, and, you know, get to be there and heal with them and Dave actually had a handwritten note that he posted and um, he thanked all the fans he said I see you and 
you know, when you scream, it makes me scream louder. When you cry, I cry. And, you know, like we're going through this together and, you know, he just thanking everyone. And he had said, you know, if you come back, we'll come back. And that's what happened. So, you know, to see what he went through, even with grief in the public sphere, I mean, after Nirvana and he lost Kurt, he didn't want to be a part of any music and he quit music completely and couldn't listen to music. And he was in Ireland on a street where there are no people. And I've been to Ireland and I can vouch for this. And he was trying to escape everything. And I just got goosebumps and he was driving on this road and there was a guy walking in a Kurt Cobain shirt. And he knew he had to make music and he started the Foo Fighters all by himself. And then to see him heal with music through Taylor, you know, his soulmate, he said his twin flame, they were one in the same. They were, they were meant to be together and to lose that, but to heal with music, you know, was, it was beautiful to see. It was heartbreaking. You know, this album will make you cry all spoiler alert. The last song in this album (laughs) If you've ever lost someone, be prepared. I mean, it's it's a spiritual it's experience for sure. Yeah, that's their, what it sounds like. Your video for the teacher is ten minutes long, and they used AI as part of the video, and they have uh, symbols of grief from cultures from all over the world that are incorporated in this video to you know demonstrate grief from everywhere so you know to see that healing in their video everyone knows who fighters videos they're like you know mini movies i mean think about learn to fly and jack black and you know tenacious d on the plane (laughs) the comedy that you're used to seeing from them and this is raw this is this is raw and this is real but it's a different side of them but i think a, a side that everyone can really relate to you know, on a serious note and on a healing note. And I think that's really what this album's purpose is, is for healing. Absolutely. Well, good. I mean, like this, like the spiritual aspect of it was, you know, just insane, just from some of the things that I've heard you talk about. And I just think it's nice that a band is openly displaying grief and the grief process and showing people I think in my opinion a very healthy way to grieve a way to you know spiritually connect with their audience but also show them that you know as famous as they are and as big as you know as larger than life as they seem they're still humans at the end of the day and that all of us at some point in our lives are going to have to face loss and we're going to have to face grief um And, you know, you can either lay down and give up or you can stand up and you can continue on and make something beautiful out of something dark, you know? So, I mean, that's awesome. That's awesome. But I'm super happy that you joined me today and thank you for everybody for listening. I look forward to doing some, you know, future episodes with you. Lord knows that this episode is a little all over the place because we just have way too much to talk about. So um, stay tuned because we are going to have plenty more discussions. But I think for our first episode, this is a pretty good start to kind of open the can of worms slowly. We got to slowly, slowly, slowly open up the dam so we don't, uh, (laughs) so we don't absolutely drown all of our listeners in uh, all the stories that we have. Um, So thanks for listening, everybody. And until next time, stay weird. Bye. Bye.